Welcome back to Ravens Recap. We've got our two draft episodes coming up tonight, and you'll be hearing them over the next few days. We're going to start off with the offense tonight, and uh, I think it's worth just hopping right to it to just satiate your needs. We're not going to make you wait. Let's talk about the wide receivers. (laughs) Oh, man. Yes, that is, without a doubt, the position that a lot of Ravens fans are looking at for the Ravens to target. I think we know the current state of this position group. Marquise Hollywood-Brown, we're waiting for him to become the Pro Bowl number one wide receiver that we were expecting when the Ravens drafted him. You still got young guys, Miles Boykin, Devin Duvernay, James Prochet, who all have some form of potential among those guys. Each of them is bringing something different to the table. And I guess before we look at the targets, we can finally bring up Sammy Watkins, which happened. that signing happened a few weeks ago, but we haven't gotten to it. So it didn't really fit into our recording schedule. What are our thoughts on this uh, signing by the Ravens here? It doesn't blow me away, but I don't hate it. That's my initial reaction. Like uh, like Steve Smith uh, Sr., when we got him, I was hyped. That was a great signing. Sammy Watkins doesn't make me feel like that. But uh, I don't know. Some people are, are really down on him. They're like, oh, he's never healthy and... I mean, which is true. That's it's a big knock on him, but he could be productive. And Peter, you and I talked about this when we were talking about the uh, free agency a few weeks ago. And that, like, we thought we had to bring in somebody, some vet, to uh, be a mentor. And I think Sammy Watkins could be that guy, and he could also produce. I hate it less than when you last heard from me, but I don't love it. Uh, is my I guess official take. Um, you know, I don't think it's going to really cost us from the compensatory pick program, so. In that way, I'm I'm happy, but it's just not like I don't know. It's it's a piece to the puzzle. Like maybe he's slightly better than Sneed, and that's that's about it. If the passing offense is better and they do nothing in the draft with wide receiver, which I don't think any of us suspect will happen, they'll draft somebody. It will not be because Sammy Watkins fixed it. It'll be from a variety of other things. It could be uh, a step from one of the young guys. It could be just having a healthy uh, tight end group. It could be uh, a, a step from the running backs getting more involved in the pass game. It could just be the pass blocking, right? We talked about that. Huge deal with the line. It'll be something else. It won't be him. He'll add to it, but it's not going to be the panacea. So it's a little piece. It's not a huge deal. But hey, apparently who's like playoff Sammy, Mr. Clutch in Kansas City, and I'll take that. Sure. Yeah, but. I mean, the I don't think the Ravens were ever going to be like sign a guy who was just like the the best out there. It's just you know they they don't have the money to be able to spend that. They're they're too good a team to be able to put all their resources in, into something like that. You know, on on the other hand, like hey, look at this too, right? Sammy Watkins definitely was the number two behind Tyree Kill at, on the Kansas City Chiefs. But uh, to be honest, the guys behind Watkins, like they have had plenty of opportunities, but they really haven't seized that second spot. Hardman, Pringle. Those guys, like, they've had plenty of snaps and they've produced in some games, like Hardman with that one game, really great game against us in 2019. Uh, <laughs> but other than that, like, honestly, like, if you look at their body of work, they're they're pretty inconsistent. So, you know, it's it's not like the Chiefs were had all of these different weapons behind Watkins who, you know, are just going to step in and completely replace what he brought to the table. I don't think that's the case. But does that mean Watkins is going to automatically be a number one for the Ravens? No, it doesn't mean that. But he still could be productive if he's healthy. 
Yeah, I, my take is pretty similar to that as well. There's certainly some things that Watkins does well that can help this offense. I think both him and Snead are different players, but if you kind of sum up what all those guys, you know, what all their positives are, they probably kind of even out in the, the two. But yeah, we mentioned Watkins. Uh, he's had really good postseasons with the Chiefs. That's undeniable. He's a vet. Maybe he doesn't give the best effort that you would want from a guy like that. But, you know, he's an imp- definitely an improvement over Dez. Uh, so <laughs> there's that. But, um, you know, it's sometimes a signing that, you know, a different player but keeps you, doesn't lower your value but doesn't raise it either. You know, sometimes that's not the worst thing ever. So um, I think overall solid signing but not as big of a signing as we could have hoped for. With that said, um, the Ravens certainly will be looking for a more long-term investment at the number two wide receiver position than Watkins. Uh, He is on a one-year deal. So let's look at some of the guys that are out here uh, for this draft. And, you know, I've seen, I guess we can start with talking about Rashad Bateman from Minnesota, as well as Terrace Marshall from LSU. Those are the two guys that have been mocked a lot to the Ravens. Um, They are slotted to be possibly available that late in the first round. They could get picked earlier and the Ravens might not have a shot at them. But um, what are you guys' thoughts on on these two guys? If either if, does it make sense for the Ravens to draft a wide receiver that early in this year's draft? I mean, sure, it makes sense. I think uh, you know some people love Rashad Bateman, so the one that I think if we go after in the first would be Bateman, and I think Marshall's a guy that they would try to trade back. But I don't think they could get cute with Bateman. I think if Bateman falls to them, um, it'll be a fall, so to speak. Because some people have him as like wide receiver two after um, Jamar Chase, which is interesting. Other people have Waddle uh, wide receiver two. Uh, there's a lot of uh, I don't know mixed opinions about who the best guy is after Chase, and it'd be really cool, I guess, to get one of those guys at the twenty seventh pick. I think this draft might be conducive to a wide receiver falling to us because there's a lot of quarterbacks that will be taken and also offensive tackles. You know, you just keep pushing those picks back. Some good, really high-value corners that will go. But Bateman's the one I want out of those two. Now, what do you think about Waddle? Do you think Waddle has a chance of falling down to us? I mean, it's interesting. This year's draft, I think you've got so many quarterbacks who projected to go really high. And that always has a chance that players who should be taken higher than those guys fall, right? And when you look at Waddle, he's a little smaller. Um, he's got he's more of a straight line speed guy than a guy who can run all the routes at this moment in his career. Um, so, you know, you look at that and teams might not view him as a surefire, full, complete number one wide receiver like a Julio Jones or a, a Tyreek Hill coming out and maybe Tyree Kill is not the best example because he was a later round pick but I, I could see him falling um, but I do think that if the Ravens wanted him they would probably have to trade up I don't know if he's going to fall all the way to where they're drafting yeah I think you're right I think he goes a little sooner um, Devonta Smith's a really interesting guy it'd be really in the Ravens like wheelhouse to pick up the undersized 6'1 175 guy 
But man, when I watch that guy on film, I love him. I might like him more than Bateman. Now, I know Bateman invokes the, uh, you know, 50-50 ball, um, Bolden aesthetic that everyone in Baltimore lusts over. But man, Devonta Smith is fluid. And I just really like him too. He's also has a really good grade on his contested catches. And even though he's undersized, I would be very interested in him if he fell all the way to us. One thing I like to point out, though, is you've got all these teams that are going to be drafting quarterbacks. And if you looked at last year's draft, I can tell you it's going to happen again this year. T. Higgins, Michael Pittman, right off at the, the first and second pick of the second round. Two great wide receivers. And that same thing is going to happen. If you think the Ravens can trade back into the second, they can't go too far. They have to be in the really top part, and it matters on how many wide receivers are left if they want to really pull that value on a wide receiver play, in my opinion, because they're going to want to pair up these uh, young quarterbacks with a young pass-catching option. That's my take. Oh, I definitely agree with that. This is It's a deep uh, wide receiver class, but yeah, you're right. There's going to be a run at some point, and that's going to be the delicate balance the Ravens are going to have to uh, go through if they do want to pick one of these guys. So definitely going to be interesting to see how they handle that front. One guy you hear a lot about is Dimey Brown out of North Carolina. Uh, he's a guy that looks like he might fit mainly in the slot. And honestly, when I watched his tape, it wasn't a player that excited me. I don't know about you, Peter. Yeah. So with me, when I looked at Brown, kind of reminded me of being very Boykin-esque got a limited route tree. He had a very high average depth of target in college, 17.1 at North Carolina. So like those are things you like, but again, we're seeing how long it's taken a guy like Boykin to develop at the NFL level. Um, some of these guys who they were able to use their athleticism and, and not work on polishing their craft as much at college, they were able to get away with that. But in the NFL, you know, if you look at most of Boykin's catches last year, they were he ran a route against the zone and basically fell into a wide open hole. So I, you know, maybe that's unfair of Brown, but that's kind of, I kind of see him as very Boykin-esque from the research I did. Yeah, I could definitely be concerned over a player like that. I mean, um, as, as much as we want some of these young players on the roster already to be able to step up, we don't really want to draft another player like that, right? We've already got two in Duvernay and uh, Boykin, and I guess the third one in Prochet as well. If the Ravens are going to pick up a wide receiver. I think they need somebody who's going to contribute uh, pretty quickly. Yeah, I think that's critical too, Chris. Like, if the Ravens are going to do this wide receiver game, they got to pick them early. They got to pick them in the first or second round. If they find a diamond in the rough, like congratulations, Ravens, for the first time in history, you did that at the wide receiving position. I don't, I don't think they will. Um, I think they're a little too highly valued and well scouted at this point to really pull that kind of stunt. We'll see what happens. I'm very curious. I think this class is extremely interesting from a wide receiver perspective because people say it's deep, and I think they're right, but I think it's a lot of people that won't help the Ravens. There's only a couple that are really well-fitted for what the Ravens need and don't already possess. So next up, uh, let's look at the offensive line. Let's start with the tackles. I think everyone agrees that the Ravens need a tackle, even if Orlando Brown stays. Uh, a, probably not a long-term option. And B, 
we saw the need for a swing tackle or just some depth of that position group. The guys that they had on the roster, at least last year, could not play it at a high level, and it was to the detriment of the team. Currently, um, as it stands right now, Stanley, if he is able to continue his recovery on a good pace, will be at left tackle. Left guard will probably be Bozeman, unless some change happens to center. Center is a little bit contested. There's a lot of guys who could play it between uh, Bredesen, Colon Castillo, and uh, Amber Carey. Right guard, the new guy in town, Kevin Zeitler. And then right tackle, hopefully Orlando Brown Jr., uh, if not a high draft pick. <laughs> and uh, Tyree Phillips is another option if uh, you know he continues to progress and Zeus is not available, or if he has to play on the left-hand side because Stanley's not available right away. So, like we kind of discussed, there are definitely some really top talents for offensive tackle, like uh, Sewell is going to be long gone before we pick, and that's okay. Um, he's looking to be a very good prospect. Um, Darisol is also a guy who should be off the board by then. And then you start to get the guys that the Ravens could pick in the first round if they were so inclined. I don't think this is where they're going to spend their draft capital. I think they're going to go for one of these guys a little bit later. Um, but you've got Dylan Radunes, and uh, he dominated the Senior Bowl. He really made a name for himself there. And then Trevin Jenkins was an interesting guy. He tosses people around, but uh, some people have complained that he has a bit of a lungy characteristic and his uh, overall agility is lacking. But he does play with just absolute tenacity. And you got guys in the second round, both monsters of men, six foot seven, so they can sometimes be uh, dominated by leverage. Uh, and that is Samuel Cosme from Texas and Walker Little from Stanford. Um, but they're just huge guys that can definitely anchor and provide um, great blocking. I don't know if they'd be ready to play. I think they'll be more ready than Tyre Phelps was last year, but you know. If you're going from a guy like, uh, you know, Baby Zeus, they're going to probably be a downgrade, right? Like, and and that's just something to understand from the get-go that they might be uh, a little disappointing. So I didn't see a guy in this class that w- reminded me of Zeus. And what I mean by that is a guy who kind of fell down because of, uh, you know, a bad combine. Obviously, there was no combine. And maybe the closest person to that was Alex Leatherwood. He was a five-star recruit, but uh, he seemed to like just get worse and worse and worse over time. And he particularly struggled at the Senior Bowl this year. So maybe a guy like him is the guy like you had a bad day. <laughs> you know, he's from Alabama. You know, top program. So you think that he might have uh, some ability at the next level, but uh, yeah, maybe he's the closest cop to a guy who might fall a little bit and could be a really great value for the Ravens. Yeah, I can see that with uh, with Leatherwood. I, I think the when we were talking about looking for the next Orlando Brown, like I think it's really rare that you find a guy who's a first-round talent who drops to the third round. I mean, he, there was obviously a lot of factors that fit into that. Poor combine, questions about weight and desire. And probably with, with him, it was it just had to be the right place for him to click and the Ravens were so um I could see a guy like like Weatherford being that guy for the Ravens but yeah I agree 100% when you're saying that if the Ravens do get a mid-round tackle 
expecting them to be Orlando Brown right outside of the gate might set some fans up for some disappointment with that player. Yeah, I know one name that's been tied um, in a lot of mock drafts to the Ravens is Tevin Jenkins. Um, could be a guy around that, uh, around pick 27, 28. But to be honest, like I honestly could see him being taken pretty much before the Ravens even make the pick. And even if he made it all the way down there at the end of the first, I don't know if that's the pick that the Ravens are going to make. So, um, yeah, they're just kind of in like a weird spot just being at the bottom of the first round of just not like anybody you have is not going to be like an probably not going to be an impact player, or at least it's not going to seem that way based on the tape, right? Um, once you get down, you know, to these later rounds, you're going to have guys who, you know, they might have some little traits here or there, but they may not have shown NFL caliber talent, you know, when they were in college, they're going to develop that once they come to the NFL. If the Ravens want to draft somebody later on that they don't need right away, one guy that was quite interesting to me was James Hudson. Out of Cincinnati, 6'5", 3'10". And the problem with him is he stinks from a technique perspective. His footwork and his stands need a ton of work, but he was a winner. It was ugly, but he just always uh, was able to you know, win his blocks, win his assignments. A very high win rate despite horrible technique, very dirty. Um but the Ravens actually been really good at these kind of prospects, being able to refine them. They're one of the better places to go for an offensive lineman to be refined. So if they want to chisel this guy into a good, solid swing tackle or even maybe starter for some games, James Hudson's a guy, if they don't need him right away, could be interesting for the Ravens. Yeah, totally. I mean, we talk about how the Ravens have had uh, – we always lament about how the Ravens have difficulty developing wide receivers. And we forget how good they are at developing these linemen who have this raw talent and just need to be uh, coached up a bit, get better technique. And then, you know, year three or four, they really blossom and they can be, you know, guys like Ricky Wagner and Ryan Jensen who price their way out of the team after being late round draft picks. So yeah, I could totally see this guy being um, someone who could fall in that same, same line and, uh, be a starter on the Ravens line uh, several seasons from now if that's a match the Ravens want to make. So let's talk about center. Ugh, I didn't even want to look at this. Guys, I'm going to come clean. We have spent so much draft capital on interior offensive linemen. I'd be so annoyed if they spent more capital on it. And I'm not saying it won't be warranted, and I'm not saying it might not be a good idea, and I might eat crow because they end up being a good player. But I'm just like annoyed that this is a conversation topic. I understand center's like in flux but you got like four guys that could potentially play it and potentially play it at a high level like uh, what was the point of drafting all these guys if you're going to give up on them because the second they draft an interior offensive lineman one of the guys we talked about earlier is gone they don't have the space for him so remember that when you go ahead and a lot of those guys have only been here a year um and you know seem to have some good tape so why do we use a pick on them last year uh so mm, okay with that said, here are the guys that people talk about. I'm going to go off with number one because we had a little bit of a chat with him uh, in our in our channel. Creed Humphrey is a guy that apparently people think should go in the first round, and uh, I didn't see it. I think, if anything, he's a second-year player. All of Ravens Twitter wants him. Maybe somebody here can tell me why Creed Humphrey could be the savior at the square. All right. <laughs> not, not the savior at the square. <laughs> I mean, one one thing that Ravens uh, Twitter might love is that he's from Oklahoma, and Oklahoma is quickly becoming, you know, just like the 
Miami U was for the Ravens defense back in uh, the early 2000s. Now all of a sudden Oklahoma's offense is like, you got, that's where the Ravens are coming from. You got baby Zeus, Mark Andrews, uh, Ben Powers, uh, you know, gotta, gotta keep bringing guys in from, from OU apparently. Wasn't a Hollywood from Oklahoma too? Mm-hmm. Hollywood Brown as well. Yep. <laughs> yeah, it is <laughs> powered by Oklahoma. <laughs> Oklahoma. So look guys, Creed Humphrey, you know, is a former wrestler and you can see it with the way he uses his hands. Um, but I think at the NFL level, he'll need more strength to really play center at the high level. I know, like, everyone loves to share the clip of him blocking two guys, you know, like one in each hand. And I'm like, cool, on the college players, like, I don't care. You know, like, <laughs> the future gym teachers of America can be beat sometimes. Like, you, like, you can't just show me one clip and be like, you know, he's the guy. I don't know. I, I'm just like, if the Ravens draft a center with their first pick, I hope to God they're amazing because I will lambast it forever because like they use so much draft capital, man. And the, to use your first round pick, which is like half of their draft capital on a guy, uh, you know, and he doesn't like immediately perform. I'd be so disappointed. Um, and just, yeah. Uh, yeah. Yeah. I mean, uh, and you're right. You're right too. I mean, you know, some of the, some of the names that we've heard linked to the Ravens over the past couple of years in the first round, like, you know, picking a center, picking a guard, you know, I mean, we analyzed it last year. Uh, none of those guys have really come in day one and been a quality player, right? It's just, you know, it's it's one thing if you're picking a tackle in the top ten. Um, it's a it's another thing entirely to be able to get uh, starting offensive linemen at the end of the first round, and uh, especially over the last couple of years. I think another important thing to remember when we're talking about the center position, um, we already talked about this guy earlier, but the Ravens' best center that they've drafted in the last decade was Ryan Jensen. He was a sixth round pick in 2013. So not saying that that guy is in this year's draft, but again, with when it comes to interior alignment, the Ravens really don't need to use a high pick there. Correct. They definitely can find a smaller school guy. James MP is uh, out of BYU, 6'4", 303. And the biggest concern about him is just the competition he played. Uh, he otherwise looked dominant in his time in college. A player that made made more sense in the third round is Jack Anderson. Um, He actually was a really high talent. He had a bad year, his last year of college and he lost some draft stock. So um, despite being like super strong and full of upside, he might be available in the third round. And that's where I feel a lot more comfortable with the Ravens using a draft pick on interior offensive line. If they're going to do it and they want to draft their center, if they can find one of these other guys later on, and not use a first or second, I feel much more comfortable. Again, you know, if they end up being really good, I won't care. Uh, <laughs> on draft day, I'll care. <laughs> Let's be fair. You're not going to be buying their jerseys in, uh, either way. So. <laughs> yeah, I know, right? <laughs> Drake Jackson out of Kentucky, um, 6'2", 292. He played a ton of snaps in college, so he probably has some of the most experience out of the guys that I watched. Um the issue with him is a little bit, you know, undersized, right? At 292 at the center position, uh, he might need to put on some weight um, and and some strength at the NFL level to really uh, not get bulldozed uh, occasionally by the more prolific players in the league. Yeah, I can see that. Um, but again, also we're talking about the Ravens' track record. They've uh, gotten a lot out of undersized interior linemen before, so... 
uh, certainly a concern, but I wouldn't necessarily say that precludes him from being picked by the Ravens. A couple other names to look out for. Uh, ben Cleveland, uh, Georgia, 6'6", 330, the antithesis of a smaller guy. Huge, super strong, and people thought he'd break the bench pressing record if there was a combine this year. And then Wyatt Davis out of Ohio State, 6'4", 315. Another player that had higher hopes and then after the COVID season really had a fall off. And um, you know, it could be a whole variety of reasons why that happened. And he might be a value to the Ravens. That is something to look at overall with this draft is the fact that you have a lot of players who, who sat out this year um, or who did play this past year but uh, didn't perform as well as they had in the past. And it'll be interesting to see how that impacts where players are, are slotted and if there's some value there because, you know, obviously, you know, with the virus, no one needs to be told that that upended a lot of uh, people, upended society. And, you know, wouldn't shock me at all if, if some of these guys who didn't perform as well this past year were are still really great talents, but just they had some difficulty, whether logistically or, or mentally navigating the the protocols, the changes that were going on. Um, so you might see some guys who slip, who are better talents than where they're drafted just because of the unprecedented circumstances that surrounded this past college football season. Let's move on to another position that blocks occasionally, but might be more interesting on offense, the tight end. Um, obviously, right now we have a very interesting tight end group with two solid players that you'll see a tons of next year in Mark Andrews and Nick Boyle, you know, both have the upside that we know of, like no question quality players. They'll be a pivotal to the Ravens success this year, but then there's like their plethora of third tight end options. Jacob Breland, <laughs> random fancy darling, but can't get on the field. Josh Oliver that, uh, <laughs> Peter and I were aware of. And then of course, uh, Eric Tomlinson. So, Will one of those guys be the answer, potentially? But I think a lot of people think the Ravens will draft a tight end this year, and I'm not against it. So obviously, I'm not going to like waste your time talking about Pitts. Uh, the Ravens don't have the draft capital to get to Pitts unless they use next year's first as part of the package. Um, and we know that they're not really a team to do something like that. After him, there's a decent fall off, at least as far as a lot of um, big boards will like to believe. Uh, usually the number two pick after that is Penn State's Pat uh, Freemonth. Um, you know, he's not a great blocker, which kind of immediately turned me off a little bit. Mostly a receiving option. And um, while I know a lot of Ravens fans think that he would be a good fit, for whatever reason, he just wasn't someone that I was compelled to spend a draft pick on. Also, just based on like where I saw him on big boards, I think he's someone that won't He's in a kind of weird spot for the Ravens where they're picking currently. You know, maybe if they fall back, they pick him. But if they do, most likely that means they did not draft a wide receiver in the first two rounds, and then I'd be more upset. Um, so just being honest, I just don't think he's going to give us the juice that we're looking for, given the fact that we already have two good tight ends um, that will take up a lot of snaps. So um, while I'm a big fan of getting a third tight end that will contribute in this offense i don't think they need to be at that kind of draft capital i agree with that analysis i mean the ravens have bigger holes on their roster and you know with several 
options already for the number three tight end spot. It makes a lot more sense that they'll would pick later if they pick at all at that position. Yeah. I think the one guy on this whole list um, that really caught my eye and I'll admit had a lot to do with coach Evans video on him was uh, Brevin Jordan. You know, Brevin Jordan, really interesting talent uh, out of Miami. He, could really be able to develop his body into the effective blocker that'd be awesome in the nfl but he definitely has really great technique already um and he also has good receiving chops you see him line up as slot wide receiver sometimes and um the thing that was really interesting out of the video is coach evans thinks he's not that far off from Pitt, who uh is a a generational talent gonna go in the top 10 picks um you know probably the most exciting guy out of the drafts uh at least from a um physical beast perspective since uh vernon davis and um people are thinking that you know he'll be a, a turnkey solution at tight end and just immediately bring value to any team he goes to so to be in that kind of conversation from a guy that i really respect from a film study perspective uh definitely intrigues me last guy i'll point out well i guess i'll point out two people um a lot of mocks have hunter long coming to the Ravens, 6'5", 253. Um, he sneaked up on the draft board for many. And um, I didn't like him because he lacks athleticism. And I think out of this third tight end, what we're looking for is athleticism. Yeah. <laughs> so uh, for that, it's a no <laughs> from me. Sure-handed, sure. Um, but just not – I don't think he's going to make uh, – for interesting personnel packages. I, I, I like a guy like Josh Oliver more, to be honest. Uh, and then Trey McKitty, very athletic, the antithesis, right? Athletic guy, uh, lots of potential, but very limited film or opportunity in college, which is a concern, right? He didn't garner the touches and the snaps in college, which makes him concerning. Definitely would be more of a wide receiver than a blocker in his first year, but just not that much game film on him. Well, that's all I have for tight ends. I think the last position group that we actually studied for offense was running back because I think the quarterback room is okay. Yeah, I think it's pretty safe to say that uh, quarterback is set for the Ravens. Um, you know, I think if Trace McSurley can't suit up for the beginning of the season for whatever reason, you know, we still have Huntley back there. So um, we're going to look at the running back position. This is a position, sure, we weren't expecting the Ravens to draft someone in the first three rounds at this position last year and they got Dobbins which was an excellent pick I think we'd be even more shocked if they did that this year considering you still got Dobbins there and Gus Edwards just continues to step up his game but I think it'll be interesting to see if they draft a guy in the late round um, because while Justice Hill has shown some flashes I think he's certainly leaving a lot to be desired as a number three back um so there's a couple guys who kind of fit the mold of a, a late round pick that um, are more of a pass catching backs, which is, I think is what the Ravens would look at here. A guy I think is really intriguing is uh, Demetric Felton from UCLA, 5'10", 200 pounds. What's interesting about him is there's still speculation as to what position he'll actually play at the NFL level. He lined up both as a running back and a slot wide receiver at UCLA. So maybe the Ravens could kill two birds with one stone here and draft a guy who can line up both spots. He had a really impressive senior bowl and some scouts have said that 
that his elusivity is comparable to guys like Alvin Kamara and James White currently at the NFL level. That's really intriguing, but at the same time, there's still some questions on this guy. Some other guys who have some potential, um, you can look at Michael Carter from North Carolina, 5'9". Don't call him 200 pounds. He's listed at 199 pounds. Um, (laughs) Another strong receiver with really good lateral quickness and had a really good nose for finding the hole at the college level. And then another senior bowl standout, Larry Rontree out of Missouri, 5'10", 210 pounds. Um, now, this guy's not as much of a receiver. He's more of a between-the-tackles guy, so be more of a third-down, turn-the-chains-back. Um, so not as probably not as high on the Ravens' radar, but it's another direction they could go. I don't know about other Ravens fans, but for me, I think Felton is extremely intriguing as a later round back for the Ravens to take a flyer on. Well, what I'll say is when you gave me that analysis of uh, split time as running back and wide receiver, one guy came to mind, the Wolf's own Antonio Gibson. Same idea coming out of college. Um, He played both positions, and uh, we saw what he was able to produce for them last year. So... uh, Felton's a guy I'm going to keep my eye on and see where he goes for sure. A reason why they might go with a guy like Larry Rountree is because who knows how long Gus the bus will be here. Uh, there's potential that after the next year, uh, he's gone. And if that's the case, they might want to have a guy in the wings ready. I wouldn't be too worried about Justice Hill stopping the Ravens from picking a running back if they're really excited about him because I don't see him making too much of an impact in the offense this year. Uh, unless he really steps up as a receiving option. And uh, even though we know he's an excellent gunner, I don't think that is important enough that they will uh, stop themselves from picking up a guy like maybe Felton, who could really produce um, in the offense maybe more so than than they think Hill can at this point. Yeah, maybe. I mean, I feel like Hill's roster spot is probably almost guaranteed just from special teams. I don't know. That's that's my opinion on that because I I think there are more question marks than some other players on the roster if we're talking about special teams. But um, given you know the COVID season with uh, college football last year, um, we have no idea how you know the uh, practice squads are going to work uh, this upcoming year, and are are people actually going to be trying to sign people off of other rosters as often as they would during a regular year, um, just because there's not a whole lot of tape. We still don't. Need, I guess at this point, we still don't even know if there's going to be a preseason. I guess it, it, the answer is not no, but it's not yes. So, yeah, I don't know. Yeah, I mean, it looks like this year the plan is to have three preseason games uh, with the new CBA. You know, they gain a, a regular season game to make for the odd records I'm not looking forward to. Uh, they got rid of one of the preseason games in order to, I guess, you know, make the players' union go with it. Extremely questionable, in my opinion. Like, one preseason game does not equal the game terror of one <laughs> regular season game. But anyways, uh, sure. So we'll see. Definitely going to be interesting to see how the season plays out next year. Um, if there will be any kind of restrictions or if they believe the NFL will be able to play as normal. It does seem like the NFL is making a stance where unless you have a, uh, I forget the exact turn of phrase they used, but I think it was like, superb just like like super level reason not to get vaccinated they expect everyone to get vaccinated uh, which will definitely be doable by the time frame necessary for uh the preseason i think we'll see a pretty much uninhibited season next year 
and it'll be really more of a question of how many fans will be there. But I, I, I don't know. I expect to be there this year. I don't not expect it like last year. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's the whole point of getting the vaccine, right? So we can go to Ravens games. I mean, pretty much so. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. I think when we did this last year, we picked one guy who we thought was most likely to be picked by the Ravens. Um, do we want to do that, or do we not really even have a good idea since uh, DaCosta out, is over here just listing every single player who's available as a guy the Ravens might be looking at? I mean, I think it's a fun exercise. I'll do it. I'll say I think that it's either going to be the Patriots or the Ravens are going to pick up Felton. He sees like a guy that could be used by either of those offensive schemes to a high level. Um, and, you know, the Ravens love having a stable of running backs. Like we said, Gus, we don't know how much longer he's going to be. Felton a very different back than Gus is, but um, I could see Felton thriving in a Greg Roman offense. Well, the Patriots certainly don't need another tight end. <laughs> yeah, I don't know if I have any gods on the offense that I really feel uh, great about. Um, probably one of the receivers that we mentioned, just because I think, you know, given the position group and and given, uh, you know, I think DaCosta's uh, flavor of drafting, it, it seems like a position group that uh, is probably going to spend a high pick on. Um, I don't know if I, you know, I don't know if I have one guy that I'm just like, oh yeah, I really want him. I, I think, you know, whoever's the best player available, I, I think will be great. There are definitely guys I'll be happy to talk about next episode on defense who I feel a lot more uh, confident in saying yes on. Man, just say Bateman. Give everyone their wet dream. <laughs> <laughs> you know how I feel, man. I, I, don't, I, don't, I don't need the next Bolton, all right? We just need a good receiver, all right? It would be great to have one who, like, you know, the Ravens picked and then was very successful, and then they offered a second contract for, right? That just doesn't happen to the Ravens. Um, I'd just be happy with that. I don't care what kind of player they are. I don't care whether they're a speed guy, whether they're a 50-50 guy, whether they're just like a dominant X receiver. doesn't really matter. I wish there were more people like you on Ravens Twitter, Chris. <laughs> uh, <laughs> they're, they're starting to drive me nuts with all their uh, their takes and demands. I, I'll put this guy out there. Um, I think, Peter, you picked a good guy in uh, – in Felton, I think he's very intriguing. Definitely turned me on to him tonight. Um, I'm going to go ahead and, and say Alex Litterwood is going to be the player I think the Ravens might end up with. Wasn't the first guy I'd have picked out of this, this plethora of people, um, but you, you guys did a good job picking uh, places that I, I felt strongly about. And I think uh, he just screams potential value. Uh, and Eric Dacosta is an aggressive drafter, like you just pointed out, Chris. And I think he'll go after swing guys more than he will boring players um, at this stage. And I, I honestly think that's probably the best way to approach the draft in a way. Because, uh, you know, if they don't have, like, that high of upside with this roster and how loaded they are, I don't know if they'll ever matter, right? Like, they're good enough to drafting that... Overall, they need like huge impact in order to break through. So that's that's where I stand. All right. Well, with that, that's the offense. Let us know what you think. Was there a guy that we didn't talk about that you love? Let us know. Ravens underscore recap on Twitter. Feedback at ravensrecap.com if you want to email us. Thanks so much for listening. We're really happy to uh, get over that 100 hump. And now start uh, the triple digits with 101 and now 102 next episode. 
Thanks so much for listening, and uh, we look forward to talking about defense next episode.